0: The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Matthew chapter 13, verses 41 through 43. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Please be seated. Today's Gospel reading is about corruption, judgment, and restoration. This is the story of the whole of the Bible. So today's parable is the Gospel in miniature, that even though God's work was completed as good, an enemy crept in and sowed corruption, which placed the goodness of God's work in jeopardy. Through the patience and forbearance of God to tend his field and await what fruits would be revealed in time, corruption will be removed and goodness will be restored. The verses I selected as my introduction make this plain, but this parable is about the setting right of things which were horribly wrong. I'm not always seeing this parable this way. Like most of you, I have heard the parable of the wheat and the tares many times in my Christian formation. It was not until I began studying it in earnest for the preparation of this message that I caught on to two features of the parable which are crucial for our understanding of this lesson in our world today. The first of these is obvious from the text and comes from Jesus interpreting the parable for his disciples. The one who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Pay attention to that, because it is counter to what I, and probably many of you have heard as the interpretation of this parable. The field is the world. Not the church, not Western Protestant Christianity, Anglicanism, the province of the ACNA, the Gulf Atlantic Diocese, or the congregation of the Good Shepherd Anglican Church. The field is the world. Too often I have heard or assumed this parable to be talking primarily about the church. The thinking goes that the Son of Man sowed good people in the church, but the adversary came in and sowed his own people in the church to keep it from being the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed and a foretaste of the New Jerusalem. There's certainly some merit to this. We see people all the time who claim Christianity with their lips, but when pushed on varying points of doctrine, seem unwilling to carry their profession of faith all the way through. There are also numerous examples of false teachers and their disciples who claim to be Christian, but lead others and are themselves led astray. I have heard this parable used both to identify those with different opinions on theology as weeds, because certainly we are the wheat, and to say, don't worry about the weeds. They have always been here, and they will be here until judgment. However, the field is the world. This means that Jesus, through this parable, is not primarily talking about what to do with false teachers and false disciples in the church. Indeed, what we see in the history of the church itself is that the people of God are overall very good at heeding the direction of the Spirit in pruning off unfruitful and dead branches or grafting dying branches onto healthier parts of the vine. This may take time, but in the story of the church, we do not see the same forbearance with falsehood and false teaching as demonstrated in the parable Toward the Weeds. False teachers and their disciples tend to either be pruned or prune themselves off the righteous branch. One of the Jewish expectations of the Messianic King was that after his coming, all of the disorder and injustices visited on the people of God would be set right straight away. What Jesus spent a great deal of time teaching his disciples was that before that day of the Lord, the promise given to Abraham must first be fulfilled, that through him all the nations would be blessed. Therefore, this parable speaks mainly about the fact that good and evil will coexist in the world after Jesus proclaims the kingdom, is victorious over death, and ascends into heaven To prepare a place for his disciples. The second point that I want to draw out is slightly less obvious in the text because it has to do with the plant that's identified as a weed. Much of the reason this is obscured to us is that we are not acquainted with wheat farming in the near Middle East. Notice that in the master's response to the servants who ask if they should uproot the weeds, the master states that they will risk uprooting the wheat as well. The master is concerned about not losing any of his crop before the time of its harvest. It turns out that the weed which was, which was sown with the wheat was almost certainly a type of plant which bears a striking resemblance to wheat throughout its development. Up until both are mature and the weed can be clearly identified as such. This plant, which is also called darnel, is practically indistinguishable from wheat until the ear comes in. Additionally, darnel often harbors a fungus that can cause illness and death. This type of crop sabotage was common enough that there were Roman laws prohibiting it and laying out punishment for it. Understanding this has changed how I view the parable. For me, weeds are easily distinguishable from the plants that I actually want but I'm not a farmer or even a very competent gardener. It had always been unclear to me just what the issue was with pulling the weeds out. My assumption had been that they were so prevalent that it would be simply impractical until harvest time. This certainly falls in line with what many of us hear and assume about the acceptance of the gospel and Christian ethics, that many will hear it, but far fewer will understand, accept, and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But it does not seem to be the actual problem facing the Master and his servants, or the truth that Jesus is portraying to us in this parable. The real problem facing the Master and the servants is one of discernment between which plants are actually wheat and which are actually weeds. As we know, the Master is God, who has knowledge of the hearts of all those he has created. So the challenge is more on the servants who have a limited knowledge of the creation, so limited, in fact, that we at once see the wisdom and mercy behind the Master's instruction not to go and weed the field before the harvest. For anyone who is not God to look at those around us and make judgments about who is and is not worthy Of the kingdom should be a terrifying thing to consider. To the reapers, who Jesus identifies as the angels, a fledgling stalk of wheat looks just as much like a darnel weed as a darnel weed looks like a stalk of wheat. Faced with such a dilemma and the risks involved in mixing the potentially poisonous darnel with the wheat, it is a wonder that the master does not burn the field and start over. Indeed, it is well within his power to do so. And as we understand earthly economy, it might actually be the more prudent course of action. Thanks be to God that this is not what our master does. He does not unmake in frustration what was previously made in love, because to him each stalk of wheat is precious. The inconvenience of separating the wheat from the chaff is worth it to him, so that every grain of wheat can be spared. As the Apostle Paul said, love is patient, and this parable is a picture of such forbearance in love. Taking these points together, that the field is the world, and the truth of our Master's patient love, let us consider what this means for us today. We must be mindful of how we view others with our hearts. Especially today, when we have many quick interactions with many different people, it can be difficult to grant others a fair hearing. And the point of the parable is that that hearing is not ours to give. In the parable, we are not the reapers. We are certainly not the master. We are either the wheat or the weeds. Judgment does not belong to us, as we have heard many times from Matthew's Gospel. Today, we are in the midst of COVID-19, an unsettled social climate, ahead of what is sure to be a contentious election, and fractious views of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the midst of both the politics and the pandemic. We as a congregation have recently experienced the wound of division. All these things present us tempting opportunities to falsely assume the role of judge. Our human nature wants to clearly define ourselves as being on the right side of a thing. In the case of this parable, all who hear it, I expect would automatically prejudge themselves as wheat. I find that for myself when I make such an assumption the next judgment is almost automatic. Those who are opposed to me are not just mistaken but cosmically and irredeemably wrong. The parable is not given to us for us to define ourselves as being wheat and everyone else's chaff. The parable is given to us so that we will grasp that before the harvest we do not yet know whether the people around us are weeds or wheat. Since our master has pronounced forbearance on both weeds and wheat, we ought also to show the same patience and love with those around us. This does not mean that we cannot, call, that we cannot or should not call evil what is evil and good what is good. The forbearance we are to practice is not one of indifference but love. Loving forbearance tells the wrongdoer that what they have done is wrong and that as far as I am able, I forgive them and desire them to come alongside as we both strive for righteousness. We show this patient love not because we hope to be vindicated nor out of anticipation of being called gracious, but because it is exactly this patient love that God has shown us. Not everyone we extend forbearance to will reciprocate or respond. God has extended the ultimate grace and allowed the gospel to be preached to those who are in sin because of his forbearance. Even though many who hear the gospel will reject it or honor it with their lips but not their heart. In applying this lesson today, let us focus on the collect prayer that Father Ben prayed earlier. As we acknowledge that our Lord declares his power chiefly in showing mercy and pity, let us seek also to show mercy and pity so that we may become partakers of his heavenly treasure. We can do this by extending forbearance to those whom we disagree with, even when we firmly believe that we are totally in the right. In this climate of widespread political division, is our response to opinions from the other side to utterly dismiss out of hand Or worse to refuse to see any kernel of good even in ideas that we find foolish or naive in our zeal do we call evil what is actually good some of what we disagree with is in fact evil and should be called as such but even then we are called to remember that the evil idea is separable from the person minds can be changed and evil thoughts discarded by the grace of God, and the working of the Holy Spirit. Our part in this work is to not poison the ground that we are all planted in by making hateful and hurtful generalizations, or speaking a portion of the truth without loving forbearance. I pray for us all in these times of distance and division. We are in grave peril, not just from the specter of COVID-19. In fact, the virus may be the least of our problems because it can only harm the body. This week, I hope that you will remember God's loving patience when you are presented with opportunities to judge your fellows over personal injustices, wounds, slights, insults, and disagreements. Practice loving forbearance even with those who have wronged you most deeply. And thank God for the mercy and grace he has poured out on each one of us out of his heavenly treasure. Grace and peace, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.